Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bonjour, a beer venue or podcast second tier. Je suis Ryan Dilks, et je suis rejoined par le parent tres en man parent deux. Et c'est Justin Peach. All right. Comment allez-vous? It's Sunday. <laughs> did you get any of what I just said? No. No, neither did I. That's the benefits of Google Translate. How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. It's... Um, It's another week without football. We're getting by. We're surviving, aren't we, Justin? I have watched so much, so many highlights on on Sky Sports. I've, <laughs> I've watched Gary Neville's soccer box like five or six times. I've um, been really digging into my box sets this past week. I've been like really going hard. I've, been, I've, I've gone through Afterlife. I'm now started on Killing Eve. I'm just making the most of the series that I've really been meaning to get into. And now I'm using it. I'm going to get onto Game of Game of Thrones next week as well. Oh, finally, finally! Wow! I know it's been a long time. I've been passionate about being one of those few people who hasn't watched Game of Thrones, but I feel like I've, I've finally got to do it. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the benefits of lying on your sofa and watching box sets. We're here to talk about the championship. There is still no football, but there's still loads for us to look back on over the past few years and celebrate the best and the good best and the good the best the yeah. good and the terrible in the championship the so we'll uh, have the 11s this week we're going to talk about the biggest transfer flops in the championship there are some absolute classics in there and i can't wait to talk about that we'll have squad goals this week justin is picking the crap one i'm talking about a quality championship squad from a few seasons ago and then we'll have the craig bryson pub quiz right at the end but let's talk about the news this week and most of it has come from this uh, meeting really between the efl chairman rick parry as he gave evidence to mps this week about the impact coronavirus has had on sports so let's go through some of the things he said justin he's expecting three clubs to be promoted from the championship to the premier league or he says the lawyers are going to get wealthy It says some Premier League teams are pushing for the season to be played out with no relegation, but Perry said it would get very messy. Justin, what are your thoughts? It's hard to disagree with him. He he seems to. I know we mentioned it a while ago when we we're talking about um, FFP, and he seems to be clamping down on that. And he is a breath of fresh air in the midst of this crisis for the for the league. Um, him taking this hard turn is. It is, it is needed because at the end of the day, we all know that money talks and the Premier League gets the way all the time. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that isn't the case. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on Parry. He's, he's been very clear during this whole thing. And the mm -hmm. EFL, they've 
obviously coming for a bit of criticism, as they always seem to. But I think they've actually done pretty well during the whole coronavirus situation because they they are un- as unclear on what's going to happen in the future Absolutely. as everyone else really haven't they mm-hmm. uh what else has parry said he also warned clubs face a 200 million pound financial black hole by september he said the desire to finish the season at efl level behind closed doors was mainly a consideration of sporting integrity he says financially for many clubs it would cost them to stage games which kind of ties into the news that has been reported in loads of places this week that League One and League Two is looking very unlikely now that their games are going to be played out for the rest of the season. Uh, so I suppose that's really no surprise that it would actually cost those sides to play games. Uh, the £200 yeah. million pounds financial black hole is also not much of a surprise either, is it? Uh, Parry described parachute payments to clubs relegated from the Premier League as an evil that needs to be eradicated. This was kind of not tied in with the coronavirus at all, but he went on on a general rant about uh, parachute payments. Mm -hmm. Uh, He says there's strong opposition to them in the EFL. They are a prime example of clubs being protected or helping them adjust to the chasm between the Premier League and the Championship. But if we didn't have a chasm in the first place, you wouldn't need them, which is a Mm -hmm. fair point. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like parachute payments need to exist really don't they otherwise not necessarily i think smart management needs to exist because as soon as you get to the premier league big contracts go out you look at fulham when they went up and obviously villa uh, this season they've just thrown money at things thrown money at players at fees probably agent fees and wages as well but if you actually do it the right way as sheffield united have shown that they can norwich city have done it in the past clubs like that then there's there's a way of doing it, and yeah, it's not I, it's not all about throwing money. And I don't I don't think parachute payments are necessary. You could share that money out amongst the championship clubs, and every club benefit. Yeah, I get what me. you're saying, but at the same time, for example, if you are a club who has, you know, been spending loads of wages to try and spending loads of wages to try and compete in the Premier League, mm-hmm. like you sometimes have to, and then you get relegated suddenly, kind of like Stoke did then you need parachute payments, really, don't you? Otherwise, the club's going to go under. Not necessarily, because you need to put clauses in contracts, especially if you're a club that is in the bottom 10. But then again, that, that again in itself is an issue with the Premier League, is the amount of money that's there. That rockets prices up. You know, you look, it, it can take a club <clears throat> a few years to recover from a relegation. You're going back to the 90s. You know, Sheffield Wednesday haven't been there since Coventry City, etc. But at the end of the day... You know, it is down to poor business management, lack of um, you know good recruitment. Stoke City are a very good example of that over the last few years. That's that's the reason why they were relegated, is because the recruitment was terrible. Um, but the argument would be that is you have to spend money to stay in the Premier League. I know Villa and Fulham aren't very good examples of that, and Sheffield United are probably a bit of an anomaly to that situation. I I I, I entirely disagree with that. And I'm going to go back to the old cliche team that is most used in this reference. It's Leicester City. They went up under Nigel Pearson. They bought Leonardo Ujoa for seven million. I know they signed Cambiasso, but they didn't spend big. They survived, and then the next season they smart they recruited smartly again and ended up winning the Premier League. It was a freak season, but it was down to good recruitment, good scouting, due diligence. That's what that that is the the key to it. Not throwing money at 
random crap that the Premier League does. Fair. Uh, let's move on. The Times is reporting numerous championship clubs are calling for the season to be decided by points per game. Meanwhile, the Daily Mail says that if the championship season were to end now, then there would be a playoff mini tournament at Wembley to decide who goes up with Leeds and West Brom. Kind of similar to what we've said in past weeks. Let's move away from the coronavirus, Justin. <laughs> Derby winger Mason Bennett has got himself in a bit of hot water with Derby <laughs> fans after filming a video of Pride Park while shouting, Burn. The clubs refused to comment on it. Bennett claims the video was a private joke and he didn't mean any harm. He's also apologised to anyone who's been offended. Anything you want to comment on that with you being a Derby fan, Justin? I'm not offended by it because I'm a grown adult. Um, But (laughs) that might sound sound harsh. You can't really get offended by it. Even if it it is an inside joke, um, Mason Bennett, as, again, a mature, fully grown adult, should know better. Um, then to put it on social media, whether that be his private Snapchat or not, because as we've seen with Derby County before, these things get leaked mm. very easily, um, and it's going to cause a fuss amongst Derby fans, yeah, whether well, they get offended or not. So. Well, a lot of Derby fans who I've been seeing on Twitter have really lost their rag with Bennett because obviously there was this, and then mm-hmm. there was the incident, the drink drive incident earlier in the season with Tom Lawrence as well, yeah, and. Um, I think a lot of Derby fans have very much taken the opinion that enough's enough. Mm-hmm. He needs to get gone. Is that something yeah. you'd share? I I probably thought that at the start of the season, and then <laughs> the drink that because there there, only, there comes a point where a player it just isn't good enough for the for the squad. Uh, and Mason Bennett, I think, fell into that category. And then you took him to drink driving charge, um, and he looked like he was going to get back in the side, but he, you know, he got injured again. That was an also that's also an issue with him. He's he's injury prone. You know, it is definitely the right time for both player and club to depart. Fair. And the final bit is that Brentford Stadium got absolutely torn to shreds on Twitter. Um, that's after someone posted a video of how the stadium looks from the inside. We haven't really seen too much footage of what the ground looks like when you're actually inside it. One person described the stadium as. Have you ever seen a stadium that screams England under 20s versus Macedonia this much? Um, <laughs> it's mainly because a lot of people were taking the mickey out of the seats because it's got multicoloured seats as opposed to just one colour, which is kind of part of this visual effect where it looks like the stadium's full, even when it's yeah. not. Um uh, what, what have you made of Brentford Stadium? Because we went to see the outside mm-hmm. of it, didn't we, when we went for a trip down to Brentford earlier this yeah. season. Uh, we didn't get to see inside, but it looks quite no. nice from the outside, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks quite smart. It's a, it's a modern ground, and if you're going to compare it to Griffin Park, it's impossible because, well, yeah, it's impossible. Um, I like the idea of the seats because for a club to sell out every game in the Championship is is very unrealistic. So even if... There's a section that are that is segregated, like between the away fan and the away fans and the home fans. Then, yeah, it gives the it gives the effect that it's a bit fuller because there's nothing worse than um, switching to um, watch watch a game and the ground being completely dead and empty. Yeah, that that that, that is a bit of a killer for me. So, well, even if there's a bit of a visual effect, it's fine. The thing is, Brentford need to move, don't they? Because Griffin Park is mm-hmm. a lovely stadium, but it's too don't small. Don't say a word about it. Do not. It, say it's too small. When we went. At half time, you couldn't get the the drink. The bar was basically literally ten meters away from us, but it took ten yeah. minutes to get to it because it's, part it's of the tall. Charm. 
It is. I, I do love Griffin Park, but they have got to move if they want to uh, move on as a club. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the other um, factor is when they're trying to find a new stadium is they're in London and there aren't that many spare bits of land lying about. So no, <laughs> they can only work with what, they, what <laughs> they've got. So uh, do you want a bit of transfer news? There's only two bits. Really? Yeah. Two bits I've spotted. The Daily Mail is linking Joe Roden to Manchester United, supposedly on the advice of Ryan Giggs. Uh, following okay. Dan James, what do you think of that? No, I don't think that should happen. Do you think it's a bit too soon for someone like Roden? Yeah, it was a bit too soon for Daniel James. He's not done anything since August, has he? No. Well, Roden we're big fans of, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And we, yeah. we do think he'll be in the Premier League at some point, but... I wouldn't say he's Manchester United level just yet. No, these these sorts of transfers they, they, they bug me because these players need a, an in between, don't they? Yeah, I know that. I know they're trying to get the player before their value becomes a hundred times more than it is now. Mm. But they need a chance to develop at a, a club that's competing in the Premier League, whether that be with Swansea or a West Ham, for example. Yeah, they do need an in between. But I suppose you look at Harry Maguire, for example, when he moved to Leicester he that was his in between but then he's cost Man United 80 million or so so I can kind of see where they're coming from but maybe he might just have to be loaned out somewhere and the other bit Mm -hmm. is something you'll be gutted about Justin the Athletic claims Chris Martin is set to leave Derby when his contract expires I think when you take everything into perspective it's not too surprising is it considering his wages will be quite a lot now I'm clinging on to the fact that because you know there's there's this whole furlough thing going on at the moment and we're in the midst of this crisis this pandemic I'm hoping that by the time you know we we see some normality resumed that we'll offer him a new contract <laughs> he just wanted to stay so badly <laughs> yes but, um, but, but he is like, yeah. he is in his 30s now mm-hmm. he's not the player that he was no do you think Maybe it is time to just cut loose? No. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> right then, let's get on to the 11s. As mentioned, we're talking about the biggest transfer flops in the championship. <clears throat> there are two things I learned while putting this together, Justin. How many failed strikers have there been at championship level? I've got, th- I've got three strikers in my team. I could have picked 20. There have yeah, been no. so many. No, I completely agree with you. Another thing I notice is a lot of the teams that I've picked for there's a common theme, but the teams that I've picked for are notably bad at buying players and yeah. are currently in terrible positions financially. Yep, I have got at least three or four players from one club um, who will become very apparent very soon. Uh, the the only other thing I mentioned as well, I'll mention as well is there have been so many big moves for players who I have no recollection of whatsoever. Have you ever heard of Vadis Adija Ofo? No. Norwich oh. paid five million for him in 2014. I've never heard of him before in my life. <laughs> no, I'm 80 for sure, 80 percent sure that transfer just didn't happen. It was a mistake on the website I was looking at, but there you go. Jesus, there, okay. just completely passed me by that one. Who have you got in goal, Justin? I've got one from this season. I've got Simon Sluger. Okay, tell us a bit more about why you've picked old Slugs. Well, he came in for a million pounds, which doesn't seem a lot. Um, but given that most clubs spend not a lot on keepers anyway, um, it is a fairly hefty fee and a fairly hefty fee for Luton Town. Um, he came into Luton with a fairly big pedigree. 
you know, he was capped twice by Croatia, World Cup finalist 2018. Uh, it's signed actually... from, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. I knew yeah. he, he was well high, highly thought of in Croatia, but I didn't realise he's actually been capped by a yeah. full international. But wow, okay. Capped twice. Um, yeah, signed from Rijeka, who are one of Croatia's top clubs. I think there's three or four clubs that are pretty decent in Croatia. Um, as I said, he's Luton's record signing, and I think cost the majority of their budget last summer, obviously selling James Justin and Jack Stacey, uh, and, and if not all of it, all of the budget. Um, and I have no idea how it went wrong, um, but countless mistakes have cost Luton points this season. Um, I saw that one Luton fan estimated that it's cost them 15 points this season. <laughs> obviously, see them. It would obviously see them outside the relegation zone. And I was Is going that by, true? I was, yep, absolutely. I was going through a game by game um, on his who scored thing, uh, on his who scored data, and there was a lot of fives, and there was obviously a 3.6 against Derby. <laughs> Yeah, he's not had a good season. No, he's. I feel. I do feel a bit sorry for him, but he has had some dreadful clangers this season. Mm-hmm. He's probably had the most mistake-ridden season I've ever seen from a goalkeeper. No, it's been, it's yeah. been really bad, and maybe, maybe he's got loads of time to bounce back because he's still fairly he, young, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did pick up in the last few games before the lockdown. Yeah, his form started to recover a bit as with Luton's form. So hopefully, might be a bit too late by that point. Because obviously it was Luton were in a bit of trouble by that point, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've picked two goalkeepers, Justin, because they're pretty much the same person. I've gone with Lovre okay. Kalinic and Oya Nyland. Oh, God. Both, I about Kalinic. Both joined Villa. Uh, Kalinic for £5 million, Nyland for £3 million. So £8 million in total for two goalkeepers. Both internationals for their respective countries. Uh, they both joined the club last season. But to give you an idea of how it went... They had Jed staring goal for the playoff final. Uh, Nyland <laughs> joins in the summer and made clanger after clanger. He's probably the only person who comes close to Simon Sluger for the number of mistakes he made in a single season. Uh, they kept one clean sheet in the first 12 games with him in goal. And he also played a starring role in that famous 5-5 game against Forest when I think mm-hmm. he was at fault for at least more than one goal. Uh, they brought in Kalinic in January and he conceded eight goals in his first three games and played just seven games in total for Villa. He's now on loan at Toulouse, where he's firmly warming the bench, while Nyland is still at Villa, but he's lucky if he's warming the bench. Two goalkeepers, both went completely tits up, and oh, it's a bit of a spoiler alert, this won't be the last time you see Villa in this list. No, no, absolutely not, not mine either. <laughs> um, they also signed Pierluigi Galina. No, yeah, no, I no, did some... have him in initially, but I he played quite a few games for Villa and now he's actually doing quite alright at Atalanta yeah. isn't he he is yeah he's um, he's doing very well yeah well fair play to him right mm. what is your formation Justin have you gone 4-4-2 uh, 4-4-2 maybe a narrow diamond okay no no, just a normal diamond okay then I've gone 3-4-3 because I wanted to really bulk up on strikers uh, who have you got at right back uh, I have got Akechianya Right, win back. Yeah, okay. Um, genuinely, the, the worst signing in Derby's recent history. Uh, it cost £4 million. <laughs> There's a few oh, contenders that, that, for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. That includes their failed Premier League campaign as well. Yeah, um, there were a few yeah, contenders cost, there as well. Yes. Uh, it cost £4 million, and it was definitely a panic signing because it came very late in the window. Um, also, is, is he a winger? Is he a wing back or an attacking right back? No, I don't no know. No one really knows. Even no. he doesn't know. No, a terrible signing, high wages, long contract, which is finally coming to an end this summer. About 30 grand a week, estimated, Mm. he's earning. 
Yeah, when did he played. join Derby? Was it 2016? Yes, summer, yeah, September 2016. So he's been there he's for, not, yeah, four years now. And He's not played since uh, the playoff semi-final against Fulham in 2018. Wow. But he's not played for two years. <laughs> Brilliant. He's one of those players who gets signed and then he's just kind of like floating around in what's uh, the place between hell and heaven? I don't know. Uh, Earth? Well, he is technically on Earth, but I can't remember what it's called. Um, someone will be shouting at the podcast right now, trying to remind us what it is. But wherever he is, that's where he is. Uh, right, let's go to centre-backs then. I've got three centre-backs. Mm-hmm. I think we'll have one who's the same. Is that Aidan Flint at Middlesbrough? It is. Lovely. It is. Not a surprise there. So Aidan Flint moved to Middlesbrough for £7 million when they were prime Tony Pulis. So... <laughs> The thing is, when Aidan Flint was at his peak, he was a goal-scoring machine. He got 33 mm-hmm. goals in his final four seasons at Bristol City. So you'd have thought this would be a match made in heaven with Tony Pulis' ball, where he does like to have a bit of a reliance on set pieces. But he got just one goal at Middlesbrough. And the thing is with Aidan Flint, and this is purely my opinion, he's good going forwards, but, and he's good in the air as well. The thing is, defensively, he's got a few question marks over his head. Now, yeah, I, I made a point about him last week because I did put him in my underrated side um, last week. So, yeah, I think he's, his form's picked up for Cardiff this season. But I think for a team that isn't playing a high line, that is playing quite low, that is going to just head the ball away and defend deep, he does. He is, he, he is effective, but he wasn't very good at Borough. No. The thing is, if you have the ball... And it's not in the air at head height level. You're struggling a bit with Aidan Flint, aren't you? He, definitely, he, definitely, he's, a, he's a solid defender at this level, but he's not worth £7 million. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, obviously he costs a lot of money. At 29, he should have been in his peak years as well. But I think he's, de- he's declined definitely since he left Bristol City. Yeah, definitely. My One of my other centre-backs, I should say, is Grant Handling at Newcastle. Now, he cost them £6 million. I'm not 100% sure he is a flop, but he ticks a lot of boxes. And I'll explain why. Because Newcastle signed him in 2016 after an impressive few seasons at Blackburn. But just a few days afterwards, they also signed Kieran Clark for £5 million. And when you mm. consider they already had Jamal Lascelles, it was looking a bit tricky for Hanley to find a place in the side. So it was basically Clark and Lascelles who played for most of the season. And Hanley played only 15 games in a Newcastle shirt, despite costing six million, that's four hundred grand per appearance. When you consider five of them were cup games, and five of them were coming on as a sub in the league, that means he started just five games in the Championship for Newcastle. Mm. That's one point two million for each start. Um, I think what happened was they signed Handley, but soon afterwards realised Kieran Clark was available, and because Newcastle was so desperate to go straight back up, they signed him as well. But then. When you think £6 million for a backup defender, that's quite expensive, especially is, when you consider he's only been there for a year. True, but you've got to remember it's Newcastle United, so fees are high anyway. They've got to sign good players because they want to go up. Um, and I think they recouped the majority of that fee from Norwich anyway. I think he went for £2.5 million when I saw mm. earlier. So they lost at least a couple of million when they sold him afterwards. I think it. I think it is a flop. 
It's harsh, but I think I'm going to put it down as a flop. Okay. It's one of the it's, most it's, expensive it's, defenders in championship history, I can tell you that. Yeah. I I can think of other flops. Do you want to hear my other one before yeah, we get on to yours? My other one is Matt Mills to Leicester for £5 million in 2011. Oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah, so at one point, he was the hottest property outside the yeah. Premier League. He joined Leicester for £5 million in 2011, as I say. And that was a lot of money in those days. Yeah. How much would that mm-hmm. be nowadays, do you think? You're talking yeah, th- £15 million or so, aren't you? I may, I may, I may have gone 10 tops. Yeah, OK. It's, it's seven, no, eight figures, whatever the case. At the time, he was the most expensive defender to play in the Championship by quite some distance. He was made club captain and started just about every game in the first half of the season. But Leicester weren't going too well. They were aiming for promotion, but were around mid-table. Sven Goran Eriksson yeah. yeah, was manager at the time. I... I forget about that so much that Sven Goran Eriksson was managing in the championship. Signed some random players. Oh yeah, massively. Anyway, he got sacked and they brought in Mr. Nice Guy, Nigel Pearson. So halfway through the season, Matt Mills had been dropped for an FA Cup game. And according to reports, he questioned that decision with Nigel Pearson, which led to an almighty bust up. Um, I've no Do idea. Not question Nigel. Yeah, I know no idea how you fall out with Nigel Pearson. He's the nicest guy in the world. Um, but Mills never played a game again for Leicester and was told he could leave the club, God. which he did in the summer for half the price that Leicester signed him for. Matt Mills, flop. Oh, massively. Yeah. He, he's not really got better, has he? He, he had a, In fact, he did all right at Forest and Bolton, didn't he? But that mm. was about it. I say all right. He, he, people were expecting him to do a lot more, and I feel like that fallout with Nigel Pearson was a bit of a turning point in his career. Who was Massively. your other centre back, Justin? I've gone with Danny Bat at Stoke. Ooh, okay. Now you've got to consider the wages that they're probably on. You know, three million pounds. Not a massive fee, but for a defender who's come from a Premier League club, I think it's going to be pretty big wages. Um, and he's definitely had his best years behind him. I don't think he was even that good at his peak. No, um, he, which might be harsh. No, I, I get where you're coming from. He's always been a very average championship yeah. defender. Yeah, and that's that's been shown this season. His, his defending this season has been very suspect. Very, very suspect. suspect. We were calling for him to be dropped earlier on in the season to give to, to give the younger players at Stoke a chance. I think it was it's Nathan Thomas, isn't it? Nathan Collins. Nathan Collins, um, who who did look good when he came in, and it's those sorts of sign so those sort of signings that puts a blocker in place for good young players coming through. And kind of um, tying into what we were saying earlier, it doesn't really help this the financial situation at Stoke, does no, it, when they're no. massively trying to cut wages? No, I, I, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Wolves have, have got a good fee for him there. And he spent some time alone at Villa as well, which says a lot. <laughs> um, it was a poor signing at a poor time for Stoke. And, yeah. Yep, who's your left-back? Uh, might might be harsh. It was quite hard to find a left back because uh, most left backs are very good or cheap. Um, but I've gone with Barry Douglas um, at Leeds. At Leeds, yeah. Ooh, now okay. he, he cost he cost Leeds a lot of money for for a full back for a wing back. You know, three million pounds at the age of twenty eight, twenty nine. Um, as I said, it's, it seems harsh, and I am a huge Douglas fan um, because of the quality he has. You know, he was quality to fools in that promotion season. Yep. It was a surprise that Wolves let him go, but then again, you know, they signed a decent player and, you know, he's gone to a good side. Um, 
but he's not really got to that level uh, again he's had a lot of injuries he's he's barely played um they've arguably done better with Stuart Dallas Alioski who have featured there um and at 30 years old who's who's now probably you can put him in the category, category of being injury prone you're not going to get that feedback for him he's got one year left on his deal yeah yeah, he really hasn't played that much, has he? In fact, I'm just checking now. He's only played no. 11 games this season, which yeah. is more than I thought he had. Um, but it's always been a weird one, the Barry Douglas move to Leeds, because he's never really taken off, has he? Uh, let's go into midfield then. My right winger, Justin, is Isaac Benzer at Huddersfield when he moved mm. earlier in the season for £11 million. This was a very weird signing. So... Um, this, sorry, this this signing still confuses me to this day because I remember having a debate with you. Well, I'll explain it, it to you now, Justin. So Mbenza was on loan at Huddersfield last season in the Premier League and he was all right. He scored against Man United. He, I, I've got it down here that he was a bit of a shining light when Huddersfield got relegated, but I think that might be a bit complimentary. Um, <laughs> either way, I'll move on. Uh, they had the option to sign him permanently. Emphasis on the word option. Uh, yeah. That was for £11 million and they took up that option. This season, he started just one game for Huddersfield. <laughs> um, he's mm. since gone on loan to Amiens. Huddersfield fans were absolutely delighted about this. And Benza is not a very popular man around Huddersfield whatsoever. They've got loads of questions about his attitude and ability. And I had a scroll around Twitter earlier. It's safe to say they will agree with me putting him in this team. Mm-hmm. And Benza is not a popular guy in the Huddersfield area, I can tell you that. Who's your right winger, Justin? Uh, I've got uh, Sonny Aluko. Oh, OK. Tell me more. He cost Reading £7.5 million. Pounds. <laughs> when was that? <laughs> 2017. Sorry, it still 2017. makes me laugh. 2017, wow, OK. <laughs> oh, my God, OK. Um, so, yeah... <laughs> Cost running seven and a half million pounds. He was he was a utility backup at Hull. <laughs> he cost running seven and a half million. <laughs> just um, have to keep saying it to make yeah. sure it sinks in. <laughs> um, but he, in between his Hull and Reading spell, he had a he had a year at Fulham. He did he did uh, he did well there. Yeah, I think he scored eight or nine goals, um, but four goals in sixty games <laughs> for Reading. <laughs> um, moved on loan to BJ Ren Ren Hay Excuse in China. Me? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> might be made up. Yeah, um, <laughs> was this on Wikipedia? You checked. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is real. <laughs> yeah, um, but the thing is, I have no idea where he is now because he's still contracted to Reading. He's still at Reading. Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Um, and there was talk in January of him making a comeback, but never materialised. So if any Reading fan can shed some light on this, um, that would be that would be great. But um, seven and a half million pounds. See. A few, if you were talking ten years ago, seven and a half million pounds for Sonny Aluko probably wouldn't have been that bad a deal because he was quite a decent player, wasn't he? But I didn't mm. realise we're talking three years mm. ago that that he cost seven and a half million. Wow! I wouldn't have paid two and a half million for him. Fair. Let's go to centre mid, Justin. Oh wait, well we've done your right wing, haven't we? Never mind. Yes. Uh, <laughs> our centre mids. We I know we've got one who's the same. That's Jao yes. Carvalho. At Forest, yes. he joined for thirteen million pounds in 2018, mm-hmm. and initially it looked like he had a lot of potential. This season, that's not really been the case, has it? No, no. It's it's 
it was a weird signing. It for me, it smells of an agent, you know, putting the hat in the ring, saying I've got a player who's pretty decent. Uh, and Forrest chucked thirteen million pounds at him. He's in the top ten most expensive transfer fees paid in the championship. Mm. Um, he costs less. Oh, he's, sorry, he's two million short of Ruben Neves, who is world class. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Carvalho is not world class. He's no. played. He started nine games this season for Forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thirteen appearances off the bench. He it's just been very underwhelming, can't he? And it seems like well, it seemed like in January that he would be getting a move back to Portugal, but that didn't materialise in the end. And it seems like whatever that does happen with his future, Forest are going to be left with a big old black hole from the money that they spent on him. He signed a five-year deal, so he's got three years left. Um, and I don't, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd say, you know, quite expensive in terms of salary. Um, but it is a shame because he has shown flashes of what he can do. But thirty million quid, you expect nine, eight, or nine out of ten every week. Yeah, and he's not really shown it. If you're spending thirteen million on a player, <clears throat> you've got to be certain that he's going to hit the ground running. And I get the feeling, because we've only seen Carvalho show glimpses of mm-hmm. real quality, haven't we? And I feel you, I feel yeah. like it's kind of like a YouTube player in the way yeah. that you've seen him do amazing bits of quality here and mm-hmm. there, and they thought, yeah, that's worth it. I'm not saying, awesome. I'm not saying Forrester basing their scouting <laughs> on YouTube. Well, we've seen some of these Midlands clubs do that. Well, maybe um, Three managers he's played under as well, Karanka, Martin O'Neill and Lemushi, who are all fairly defensive in their setups as well. You're not going to get the best out of a playmaker number 10, are you, if you play a defensive yeah, side of football? It's difficult, but at the same time, Forest have struggled with creativity this season, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, let's go to our other centre-mids. Mine is Aaron Tishbola at Villa for £5 million. Yeah. Pounds. I <laughs> vividly remember this signing at the time in 2016, and I thought yeah. it was weird. And I look back at it now... And it's still very, very weird. Well, uh, the reason why is Steve Clark recommended him to Di Matteo because Steve Clark managed him at Reading. Okay, that's interesting. But five million pounds is horrendous. Yeah, let let me uh, ex- explain what Tish Bowler said after the move. Um, but prior to this move, he had only played sixteen games at Reading, and he was twenty-one as well. So it yeah. wasn't like he was an eighteen-year-old raw talent mm. who everyone was hyping up. He was. He's still a youngster, but 21. Um, for some reason, Villa must have liked him. Uh, and as you mentioned there with Clark, they splashed all this money on him. He played just eight games at Villa before a series of loan moves. Last August, he left to join Wasland Beveren in Belgium. And he's mm-hmm. since left them to go to Desportivo das Avas in Portugal. Now, Tishbola, I feel a bit sorry for him because he's since admitted in interviews that he was a big move for him and he saw all these big names in the changing room and he was quite intimidated. He also wasn't helped that Di Matteo, Roberto Di Matteo, was sacked not long after he joined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they brought in Steve Bruce and Tishbola says the two never really spoke <clears> and he's not really known for playing younger players either. No. So it didn't really work out for him there and since then... He's trying to make a comeback abroad, and good luck to him. Yeah, you're probably a victim of fee. Oh, massively the hype with the fee, massively changing managers. Just yeah, I and I'm, I'm going to a relegated club as well. Yeah, I can't. You can't justify five million for him. I I don't. No. It's, so, it's such a weird move. I, I never, never 
understood it whatsoever. Who's your other no. centre mid? Uh, I've got Ryan Woods, another Stoke acquisition. £6 million he cost him. Mm. I, I, um, I, I really liked Ryan Woods when he was at Brentford. Everybody liked Ryan Woods when he was at yeah. Brentford. Yeah, and so did Gary Rowett, evidently, because he's now taking yeah. him on at Millwall as well, even though it's not really worked out uh, exactly. at Stoke, has it? No, um, but as you say, he's a player with a huge reputation in the Championship, and at the time of this move, it seemed a good move. Yeah. Um, but it just hasn't worked out at all for Ryan Woods at Stoke. Um his form has picked up for Millwall, but you know, six million pounds again. You know, you think about wages and that. Um, and his best football since joining Stoke has been at Millwall. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I read that um, a Brentford fan um, said, "Is this is this the Ryan Woods that we had? What's happened to him?" Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, he was such a, he ran he dominated games for Brentford at times. Um, for a player of his size as well, he was so good. Um, just a shadow of what, um, what what he used to be. Yeah, there are quite a few moves in this that make me sad, and I'll mm-hmm. get onto them in a bit. But Ryan Woods, the case there is one that really makes me sad. Who's your left winger, Justin? Um, so he has played left wing, which is why I've put him here, uh, okay. mainly in his Cardiff Cardiff days. But I've gone with Ross McCormack. Okay, see, I've got Ross McCormack later mm-hmm. on, but I've got him up front. Um, why have you picked him? Um, so, Ross McCormack is one of my favourite Championship players ever. He ripped up a Cardiff, Leeds and Fulham, and then he had a big money move to Villa, <laughs> following the relegation, but instead that sparked the worst recruitment drive in football in recent memory. Yeah, well, in the four seasons as an Aston Villa player, he played 20 games. <laughs> 20 yeah. games in four seasons, uh, scoring three goals. Three goals, Wow. Just months after joining, he fell out with Steve Bruce after yep. he continuously missed training with Bruce saying he was nowhere near fit enough to play. McCormack then claims, quite infamously, that he was late on one occasion because his electronic gate at his house wouldn't open. <laughs> uh, McCormack only left Villa last summer despite last playing for them in September 2017. Mm-hmm. During that time, he was reportedly earning £44,000 a week, £2.3 yep. a year. And he also got a £1 million bonus after Villa were promoted last season, despite him not playing a game. And he was, was, he was actually meant to be contracted there until the end of this season. Yeah. And his, ra- and his wages would have reportedly gone up to 70 grand a week yeah. because of Villa's promotion, but they released him. And I imagine he would have got quite a bit of compensation heading his way, Justin. Yes, yes. Um, this is probably the worst signing in championship history oh, yeah. just based purely on financial and again nothing on Ross McCormack why wouldn't you turn that sort of well you down? say nothing on Ross McCormack I feel a bit sorry for Villa and you won't hear me say no, that very I often can't. in this because 12 million for <clears throat> a player of Ross McCormack's quality you'd expect mm-hmm. results but the fact he missed training continuously it seemed like he really could not be bothered after getting that move and it seemed like he was just happy to pick up the wages each week well, you would be forty-four grand a week, but Villa's recruitment that summer had it. They could have gone under last year. People forget this. They could. They. It's been very re- reported widely that they could have folded um, had it not been for the the American owners coming in at the yeah. last minute. Well, in hindsight, it's easy to say this was a bad move, but at the time, considering as you mentioned how much of a goal-scoring machine he was, it seemed like it was a really good move. But McCormack clearly just could not be asked. quite frankly it, it was it, it was 
not a good match at all. No. Uh, my left winger is Martin Braithwaite to Middlesbrough for £10 million. Now, he joined... Barcelona legend. Well, he joined Borough in 2017 with a big reputation and he showed flashes of class, but he was ultimately very inconsistent. He started off under Gary Monk and despite being known as a striker, he was often played on the left wing, hence why I've got him there. Uh, Monk mm-hmm. got sacked and they brought in Tony Pulis, which did not end well for old Braithers. The style of play didn't suit him and the two had a massive and very public falling out. Pulis called him ungrateful and disrespectful and also said Braithwaite had the biggest wage he's ever seen in the championship. So not only was it the... Don't think he's played with Ross McCormick. (laughs) (laughs) So not only was it the £10 million transfer fee, it sounds like he was burning a hole in Borough's pocket with his salary as well. Um, Braithwaite only left Middlesbrough permanently last summer. Last summer, Justin. Uh, Less than a year later. And he's now playing for Barcelona. So what does Tony Pulis know, eh? A little bit of trivia for you. He's got a €300 million release clause at Barcelona. So for Borough Fancy, giving him another chance. Just just fork out the €300 Weird stories follow some players around everywhere, don't they? Like, you go from fighting with Tony Pulis to turning up at... Le Masia, which is Barcelona's yeah, Next to Messi. Barcelona's training ground, yeah. Weird. Oh, weird. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to our strikers then, Justin. We've both got this guy. I'm sure of it. It's Jordan Rhodes. At, mm-hmm. Well, I've got him down for his move to Middlesbrough, but you've got him down for his move to Middlesbrough and Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, but the more I think about it, I don't think his move to Borough was that bad. Well, yeah, but it was kind of the turning point in his career, wasn't it? Do you want to know a stat? This makes me really sad. Since this move to Borough in 2016, Jordan Rhodes has scored 23 league goals over the course of five seasons. In the five seasons prior to that, he scored 121. (laughs) Yeah, it does make me sad. Yeah. Yeah, what a player he used to be. And now he is just a shadow of his former self. He's mm. still at Chef Wednesday, as you say. Reportedly mm. on 40 grand a week. His deal expires next summer. So he's still got another year left. Oh, I thought it was this summer. No. It expired. No. Yeesh. Yeah, yeesh That's indeed. Good. Um, when I look back at this, I do wonder where it's all gone wrong for him. I presume it's got to be mental because he hasn't had a falling out as far as any reports have suggested Mm -hmm. it seems to be i don't know a lack of confidence um a lack of hunger just something along those lines but yeah but then he scored some goals for norwich didn't he he did all right but he was but he was was a backup yeah yeah now he went to borough who didn't create a lot of chances and then sheffield wednesday a bad time for sheffield wednesday so, you know, he did score 6-18 and 18 for Borough in the Championship. Yeah. He didn't score in 6 in the Premier League. Not as but good as his... three. Yeah, it wasn't as good as his past record, though, was it? No, no, absolutely not. But I don't, it is hard to say where it all went wrong for him. Um, uh, yeah, but the, the move to Sheffield Wednesday was horrendous, both for Sheffield Wednesday and Jordan Rhodes. Oh, yeah, massively. Uh, so my other striker is Ross McCormack, and then I've got one more striker... It's Gary Medine at Cardiff for £6 million. Oh, I forgot about that yeah. transfer. He's always been very average at this level, so it was a bit odd when Cardiff splashed the cash on him. But yeah. to sum it up quite briefly, he spent two years there and failed to score a single goal. 
<laughs> and now I think he's playing at Blackpool. Um, so yeah, Ross, uh, Gary Medine, not much more really to add on that one. Terrible signing. Terrible, Terrible signing. signing. Who's your final striker, Justin? Uh, another Stoke signing. Uh, it's Sam Vokes. Oh, Vokesy. Tell us more. Yeah. And this, this uh, again, is a dreadful signing. Um, epitomises spending stupidity for me. He hasn't reached double figures since 2016-2017 when he reached 12 for Burnley when they were in the Premier League. Um, he's had a fair few injuries that time. But, um, and I just think it was a square peg for Stoke. I think they were just trying to get a player in who who was experienced, could do a bit of a job. You know, They had a phobia at the time um, amongst a couple of others. Obviously, I think Berahino was still there. Um, but seven goals in 39 games since signing in January 2019 just not worth seven million quid for me no. there's better out there um, he might pick back up again but he looks a far cry from the player that thrived alongside Danny Ings and Andre Gray well I mean anyone would uh, play a lot better if they had a Danny Ings and Andre Gray next to him wouldn't they I did have Benekafobe in my team initially uh, but I felt a bit evil putting him in because he did alright initially at Stoke well, didn't he even though he cost £12 million yeah but then that started to unravel but then he, he he sparked up again at Bristol City and we were very very excited but then obviously the very cruel injury he had Yeah, um, I, I couldn't put him in on that no uh, final point my strike force cost a total of £28 million and they scored 8 goals oh. over £3 million per goal so there you go. Yeah. Well done, the championship. It's, it's just, it is just worth emphasising that teams like Stoke, Sheffield Wednesday, Reading, Derby, maybe Forest, have no idea how to spend money. Yeah, there are a lot of clubs who are very poor when it comes to the old recruitment side of things, as we've seen plenty of time over the past few seasons, particularly. Let's go to squad goals, Justin. This is the part of the show where we look back at a good squad, and the crap squad. This week, Justin's picking the crap squad. I'm picking the good squad. I've gone with the Sheffield Wednesday side from 2015-16, but also the 2016-17 side as well, because they're kind of similar. Uh, it was very much the peak years for Wednesday fans this century. Carlos mm-hmm. Carvajal, the man in charge, he breathed new life into the club. For years, they'd been lingering around mid-table, but Carvajal took them to the brink of promotion, getting to the playoff final in the first season and then the semi-finals in the second. In both seasons, though, Wednesday were treated, Wednesday fans were treated to exciting football, but they were also a well-drilled unit. They had Kieran Westwood in goal, the best goalkeeper outside the Premier League. Barry Bannon was peak Barry Bannon. He was one of the best players in the Championship. Fernando Forestieri having the time of his life scoring and creating goals. One player who really goes under the radar is Tom Lees, who was unbelievable in both Mm. seasons for Wednesday around this point. They were a great side, always had a soft spot for Sheffield Wednesday. And I do hope they're in the Premier League again at some point. Carlos Carvajal took them to the brink of it. And I've seen a few videos of fans still singing about him. Carvajal says he'll always be now and says he's desperate to manage in England once again will it happen mm. Justin Carlos back at Hillsborough probably not I think it could do ha- I think it very much could happen one day I hope so anyway maybe maybe that's maybe. dodgy squad numbers didn't they over those oh yeah years. they had oh now you're asking Stephen Fletcher had number six yeah I think Barry- Adam Reach had number nine someone had number two as well I was going to say Barry Bannon but I don't think that's right so, David yeah. Jones David Jones had number two there you go <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They, Weird. 
Weird. Yeah. Very continental. Very continental, but I love it. Who is your crap squad, Justin? Yep, so I'm going back to 2008-2009. So weird thing about this one is that uh, all three teams that were relegated to League One that season had all been Premier League teams within the last three years. Mm. But specifically, I'm talking about Norwich City. Obviously, the other two I'm talking about, Charlton and Southampton. Um, But Norwich City had a horrendous squad. (laughs) They are genuinely one of the worst squads I've seen. I looked down the list and it was awful. Um, Give me some names. Uh, John Otsemabor. Yep. <laughs> Sammy Klingon. Sammy Klingon was vice captain. Yeah, I do remember Klingon. Um, Chris Killen. Can you remember that name? Is he, Striker. Is he New Zealand? From New Zealand? Yes. Yeah, I do yes, remember Yes, he was, him. yes. Um, they, they also had Wes Houlihan. Um, Gary Doherty was still there. Um, Leroy Lita finished as top scorer with seven goals, but he was only there for three months. I didn't realise Leroy Lita was at Norwich. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about it as well. Uh, and in the end, they had 15 players on loan throughout the season. Wow. Uh, Glenn Roder was sacked in January and club legend Brian Gunn uh, was appointed. <laughs> Things did start to turn around. Midfielder Darrell Russell, after a 4-0 one against Barnsley, reportedly dragged the chairman, at the time Roger Mumby, into the shower and demanded that uh, Brian Gunn be appointed permanently. Well, fair enough. This this then this then started to gather some momentum, and a Facebook group called Brian Gunn for Manager was created by his uh, daughter Melissa, which soon attracted three thousand members. Okay, yeah, uh, and obviously they got relegated. Um, they won. They won just one one in their last ten games and finished five points adrift. Um, and obviously, yeah, they were relegated for the first time in forty nine years as well. So what you're trying to tell me is it's all Brian Gunn's daughter's fault. Uh, potentially, maybe Darrell Russell had a bit more of a say in it. Um, again, a very average midfielder in the Championship. Um, but obviously, what happened after that, uh, Brian Gunn was sacked. Um, well, no, actually, they lost 7 1 to Coltrane United, then he won 4 0 yes. in the Cup, then he was sacked. Paul Lambert took charge and probably set them on the course they're on now. Yeah. I. The thing is, I, I used to work in Norwich, and mm-hmm. they, um, Brian Gunn's. He, he's very highly thought of, obviously, because he's a legend. Yeah, he's a club there. legend. But whenever anyone talks about him, they say, brilliant keeper, terrible manager. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, yes. And it's all because of that season. Let's go to the Craig Bryson pub quiz. This is the part of the show, ladies and gentlemen, where Justin has a mystery footballer for me. He's going to give me six clues, and all I've got to do is guess who that bugger is he's got 200 championship appearances at least and is a championship legend so justin hit me with the first clue i'm excited about this one oh, the God. clues are quite good uh, i made 267 appearances scoring 85 goals oh okay 267 85 goals that sounds like a winger i'm gonna hazard a guess at i'm gonna okay. go with Carlos Edwards. Uh, no. Okay. Um, I played for Coventry City and Crystal Palace in the Championship, as well as making appearances for Birmingham, Birmingham City in the Premier League and Sheffield Wednesday in League One. So he's played a raft. He's played for a raft of Championship clubs. But wait, you, pick, you just picked out right? Okay. Um, who are the clubs again? Cardiff and Cov. Uh, Crystal Palace and Coventry. Crystal Palace Championship. Okay, next one. Uh, I made 36 appearances for Ireland, scoring nine, despite being born in South London. I did make the 2002 World Cup squad. Okay, 36 appearances for Ireland. 
I'm starting to think it might be a striker now, actually. But he was born in London, eh? Um, uh, next one. Ooh. Clues get harder, Ryan. Oh, no. When I joined Coventry City, I requested the 1 plus 9 shirt as the number 10 was taken. Right, okay. I do vaguely recall this happening. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember who it was. Um, I'm going to say Adi Akinbayi, but I don't think he played for Ireland. No, he didn't. No, no. Okay, next one. I was part of the transfer that took Andy Johnson to Crystal Palace from Birmingham City. So it was a player plus cash deal. But it was for Clint, uh, it was for this player. Nearly said his name. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Clint? So, Clinton Morrison. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh my god. Oh, shame. You ruined it for yourself. How does that make you feel? <laughs> oh, Ryan. That is the first time. The person reading out the clues has accidentally read out the player. Uh, <laughs> you've just made them. you've just made Craig Bryson pub quiz history. I, I yeah, but I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> what was your final clue? Uh, in my later cl- uh, oh, Clint, <laughs> <laughs> stop saying Clinton. Uh, in my later career, I played for Colchester United, Exeter City, before dipping into non-league with Long Eaton United and Michelover Sports. See, I knew he played for Michelover Sports because that's obviously mm-hmm. quite near to us. And in, in a quite random story, someone who I know through my cricket playing days had a bit of a debate with him while he was playing at Michelover Sports. <laughs> um, not the person who's playing cricket, he was watching and mm-hmm. he... Um, Basically, he was the person who was watching was criticising a player, and Clinton Morrison was <laughs> giving it some back. It's very funny to watch. I have nothing else to add on that story, but Clinton Morrison, Brilliant. Championship legend, completely forgot he played for Ireland. <laughs> yeah, his, his accent doesn't give it away. No. Um, um, yeah, no, he scored a lot of goals at Championship level. Oh yeah, and I didn't realise how many he scored. No, he's a good, um, he was a good player at Championship level. Yeah, he was, yeah, it was a good yeah. player in general. To be fair to him, um, so well done, Clinton Morrison. Right, this has been the second tier podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, if you wouldn't mind uh, telling your friends about us, giving us a bit of feedback on this episode, we will appreciate it. We've actually had loads of positive feedback this week, haven't we, Justin? Very mm, weirdly, yeah, we've, we've had like a wave of people saying nice things about the podcast so thank you we do appreciate it it makes everything worthwhile because we do put in a lot of hard work on this don't we justin it brings a tear to my eye yeah is that because you work so hard or the amount of praise you're getting just the amount of praise oh okay okay fair enough (laughs) (laughs) i've been ryan dilks i've been justin beach thank you for listening Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.